All right, all right. Well, we are continuing our series, When Heaven Touches Earth. And we started the series last weekend for Easter. And we started with looking at how heaven touched earth through Jesus. And kind of the big idea behind last week's uh, sermon or message was when Jesus came to this earth over 2,000 years ago, heaven literally touched earth and it changed everything. It changed everything. Now this week, we're going to take a look at when heaven touches earth through you, through us, through those that have a relationship with Jesus. We have committed our lives to him. We have confessed with our mouth, believed in our hearts that Jesus is the Savior and that Jesus is Lord over our lives. And when that happens, I believe that heaven desires to touch earth through you. Now, God has been allowing heaven to touch earth through people since the beginning of time. If we look back through examples that we read of in Scripture, you think about Abraham. Abraham was, was, was someone that God allowed heaven to touch earth through. He was the one that the seed of Israel came through. And so heaven touched earth through Abraham. Think about Joseph and he was the one that his brothers wanted to kill him, left him to die inside of a pit. He goes on to go to a prison, and then he becomes the second in charge of Egypt, and he saves the people of Israel. He saves those people through a famine, and he did it because God allowed heaven to touch earth through him. My goodness, think about Moses. Moses was a guy who grew up in the palace he grew up as an Egyptian, but he was a Hebrew by birth. And so he gets to this place where he's on the backside of a desert. He's in, he's in the, 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 the outskirts of, of the known earth at that time. And so there comes this point where God calls Moses through the burning bush, and he allows heaven to touch earth through Moses, the deliverer. Then we think about David, who was the greatest king. You think about Daniel, who was a, a man of God who was in exile. And then you think about the prophets, Elijah and Elisha. You think about the disciples. You think about Paul. These are all people that God allowed heaven to touch earth through. And it's not just about them. It's not that God has this select few people who he desires to move in and move through. No, today, if we call ourselves believers then he wants to do the very same things through you. And that's what the big idea for today is. God desires for heaven to touch earth through you. Now I know for some of us that can be overwhelming. To think that thought, like my goodness, heaven uh, touching earth through me. No, no.
Because we're around people every single day who do not believe in who Jesus is. And when they do not believe in who he is, do not have a relationship with them, guess what? There is still a curtain between them and God. But guess what you get to have the opportunity for? You can become that person that can go and be the presence of God for that person because the presence of God lives inside of us because that's what the Word of God says, that the same Spirit that rose Christ out of the grave now lives in me. And so therefore, you have the opportunity to be a walking, living carrier of the presence of God so that when people come into contact with you, they can see the presence of God. Peter's not the only one who said something similar. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, 12 through 14, where he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Here's what's crazy about this particular verse for me is that when we talk about Jesus, I mean, now this is Jesus, guys, like God in the flesh. Like we've read stories of him, like healing people that were born blind. We've read stories about him telling people that have been lame from birth to get up and walk, and they walk. We have seen Jesus tell a dead man that's been in the grave for four days to get up and walk out. Like, I don't, like, like, that is serious. And for him to sit there and tell his disciples, and ultimately you and I, hey, guess what, guys? If you believe in me, you'll go on to do those same things and greater things. Now, before we get caught up in thinking greater means greater in uh, uh, sensationalism and, and thinking that it's a, it's a grander miracle. There is no grander miracle in my book than telling somebody to get up out of the grave and walk and they actually come out and walk. What he's saying is, is that you're going to, in magnitude, in, in, the, in, 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 the, in the reach. I mean, think about it for the disciples back then. They were confined to one small little area of this earth. Jesus was confined to one small little area of this earth. Think about how much further along we have right now. I mean, somebody right now could be watching us through that little camera right there on Facebook Live, and they could be halfway across this world right now, and yet the gospel's going forth to them. Now think about that for a minute. Jesus was saying, you're going to do the same miracles that I've done but it's just going to have a greater impact because it's going to reverberate further and further away than I was ever able to have. And this even happened in Scripture with Peter. Think about it. We saw people get saved through Jesus' ministry on this earth, right? Peter gets up, preaches a message at Pentecost, and 3,000 people give their hearts to Jesus. Here's something. Jesus as far as we, we know, because of what's been recorded, 3,000 people never came to know who Jesus was through Jesus' personal ministry. But in a moment, Peter 
through the gospel, 3,000 people were saved. Talk about, you will go on to do the same things I have done in greater things. It was already happening in Scripture. It's happening today. Listen, if you hear reports going on from different countries around this world and you hear about the move of God that's happening, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Blind eyes are being opened. Lame people are walking. The dead are being raised. We don't hear much about that here and where we live because we have been so inundated with the culture and society that we live in that it has numbed us to the reality that God still desires to move in and among us. And I am, I am much of the belief that we are about to, if we are willing to go there, we have the opportunity to start seeing things that would just blow our minds. I believe we are on the cusp of a shift in, 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 the, in, in this country that we live in where we will have access to, to a greater level. And it's not because that level is not already available to us, but our hearts are shifted to a place that is actually ready to receive that and we will start moving in the way, in the direction that God desires for us to move. You see, Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, would leave behind a victorious working family of followers who would spread his kingdom to more people and places than Jesus ever did in his life and ministry. Now, here's another passage of scripture that Jesus spoke. And this is the Great Commission according to Mark chapter 16. Now, you're going to hear some pretty crazy things in here. Don't get tied up into that, okay? And I'll tell you what those are if you don't know what those would be by the time I read it. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18, it says, And then he told them, Go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Look at verse 17. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Let's stop. Does that say that these miraculous signs will accompany the disciples? Does it say that these miraculous signs will accompany those of the early church? Does it say that these miraculous signs will accompany those who are pastors? Does it say these miraculous signs will accompany those who are prophets? Does it say that these miraculous signs will accompany those who are evangelists? Does it say that these miraculous signs will accompany those who are teachers? Does it say that these miraculous signs will accompany those who are apostles? No. What does it say? It says these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. So what that tells me is, is that if we believe in Jesus, guess what? These are the signs that should be following us because we should be in a place that believes that God it, it, it said what he said through his son Jesus that you are going to do the same things that I have done and even greater things. So he goes on to say these are the signs. They will cast out demons in my name. That's a trip if you've ever been able to be a part of something like that. Um, I'm just saying, it's crazy. And they will speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. Just don't get tied up with that. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. I'm not advocating you to go drink poison, okay? And then, this is the one that I really like. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. 
And let's not get caught up in handling snakes, drinking poison, and all that. Let's get, let, let's just see what the overall, what, what, what is Jesus really trying to communicate here? What he's trying to communicate here is, is that these signs, if you believe in me, and if you walk in the authority that I am giving to you to go and preach the gospel, you will be able to lay your hands on the sick and they will be healed. You will be able to have the gifts of the Spirit flow out of you. You will be able to speak words of knowledge. You'll be able to speak prophetically in the people's situations. You will be able to be the person that God allows for heaven to touch this earth through. And it's meant for every single believer. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Now, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6 when he's teaching his disciples to pray. He said, then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, may your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen to this. God invites the participation of our prayers, our heart, and our actions in seeing his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, before I go any further, I do want to say this small warning is that what I believe that we as the church in general, we have made God out to be transactional. We, 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 we have made it to where God, okay, if you do this, then I'll do that. Or if I do this, then you need to do this. We've made it very transactional. Listen, God's not in the business of making transactions just so that you can get what you want. What he's in the business of is making us a part of the process. You and I are called to be a part of the process, not a part of a transaction. Now, I want to dive into the story of someone that God allowed heaven to touch earth through. It's found in John chapter 4, and it's the woman at the well. Now, it starts in verse 4, and I'm going to read this in different sections, and then we're going to pull out different things. So I'm going to read through the whole story, and I'm going to stop every now and then, and we're going to pull some things out as far as how it can relate to you and I. So starting in verse 4, verses 4 through 9, it says that he had to go through Samaria on the way. And eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field of Jacob, gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. Now he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, to set this up, I don't need to go back through it, but this woman is there at, a, at, at not a, a, a normal time for the ladies to come and draw water at. So this tells us one thing, she wants to be hidden. She doesn't want people to see her. 
the last thing she's expecting to see when she shows up to the well that day is some Joe hanging out by the well. But it's Jesus, all right? Now, the other thing that really catches her attention is the fact that Jesus talks to her. She's surprised. Because she's like, there's no way that you're asking me. Maybe I need to turn around and see if somebody else decided to come at this weird time. Because, and, and, and this is what I'm saying, is that I feel like this is where a lot of us get to in our relationship with Jesus. And what I mean by that is, is that Jesus begins to speak to us, begins to wanting to move inside of us and through us, but we're like, well, wait a minute, I'm nothing special here, Jesus. I mean, do you realize who you're talking to? I mean, why would you ask me for a drink? Why don't you wait for somebody that, that, that's more dignified than I am, that's more accomplished than I am, that's more uh, 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 excellent than I am? Throw whatever word you want. And I feel like that's what happens sometimes because we look at ourselves, we look at our lives, and we discredit who we are because we look at the pre-Jesus person. We don't look at us through the lens of Jesus. See, when God sees you, he doesn't really see you. He sees his son Jesus in front of you. So, so, so the thing about it is, is that we have to get to this place where we stop di- uh, uh, discrediting ourselves. We, keep, we, we, we stop disqualifying ourselves from when God starts speaking to us and starts wanting to do something in and through our lives. Then he continues in verse 10. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And if we just only knew, if we only knew the love of the Father that he has for you, the love of the Father that he has for me, if we only knew the gift that he has for us. Do you realize that? He's got a gift for you. It's got your name on it. It's got a big old bow on it. With the nicest wrapping paper you've ever seen in your life. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? See, she was was saying, man, how can this be? She's making every excuse in the book except for accepting what Jesus wants to give to her. Well, my life is this way, or this is this. Are you saying you're greater than the good old days? I mean, I've experienced God in the past, and let me tell you, that's about as good as it gets. It's not happening that way anymore. You've got to get over that. Our, our Jesus desires to do something new. He desires to do something more. He desires to take you out of this mentality that I only moved in your life back then. No, he desires to move in your life now and in the future and in greater ways than you could ever think, ask, or imagine. Stop making excuses. And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water 
then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. You see, this is what Jesus starts to do. When he starts moving in your life, it's like he puts that taste in your mouth that you just got to have more of. I mean, when you really start to touch the hem of his garment, man, there is something that begins to happen. There is something that happens when you start pressing in to the presence of God and you start positioning yourself in a place for him to to love on you and to speak into your life that you begin to say, oh man, I got to have more. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Oh, but then he goes into this. Go and get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've had five. You aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. This is why the gifts are so important and why they need to be active in the church like never before. Is because Paul even said this, that he preached the gospel, but it was the signs that followed that actually convinced and that confirmed what he was saying. What Jesus did is he spoke the gospel. He said, I'm here to give you living water. You'll never thirst again. He was saying, if you accept me, you accept salvation, you have eternity locked in and locked with me. And then he goes on to, 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 to now he's preached the gospel, and now here comes a gift. Here comes a sign. And he speaks a prophetic word into this lady's life, and it totally blows her away. She's like, how in the world do you know this? You must be a prophet. So tell me. You'd think like she'd ask, what are these guys' names? I want to make sure that you really are on this. But no, she goes into this. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount uh, Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Now this woman, while she didn't want to be found that day at the well, there's something that through this conversation that you begin to realize that she is... She's actually, even though she wants to keep hidden, she's really looking for something. She's desperate for something. And she's come into contact with the one that can satisfy what she's looking for and what she's desperate for. Now, here's what I want to explain about this particular thing. Because she said, so tell me, why is it that you Jews of Jerusalem, uh, that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while the Samaritans claim that it's over here? Now, what this tells me, this lady goes to church. This lady knows her stuff. I mean, she knew about Jacob. She said, this is Jacob's well. She knows about places of worship. She goes to the place of worship. See, this is the fear that I have that a lot of people are that attend church today, is that they're in this place where they know just enough to feel comfortable sitting in the seat. That they know just enough to talk themselves out of going deeper. Where, 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 where it's as if, man, i got one foot in because I really like what I feel when I'm there in worship. But the other foot says, I'm not willing to give my entire life to it because I still want to live over on this side as well. That's what she was doing. 
It might not look like what she did, but let me tell you, she couldn't find some man to satisfy her, so she kept going to the next one. And she, no matter how many times she went to her worship service and probably started feeling something that, like what I'm doing is not necessarily right, I don't really care because what I'm looking for, I get the satisfaction in the beginning, but then all of a sudden it just goes away. Why is that? See, she was one that chose to flirt with the world while at the same time flirting with Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus doesn't desire to be flirted with. Jesus doesn't want to be flirted with. In fact, when he talks to the church in Revelation about that, he says, you're either hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, if you're just flirting with me, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. That's not a very nice picture, is it? Sometimes we want to think that Jesus is all this lovey-dovey, you know, let's throw a halo over him and all this kinds of stuff. But you know what? Jesus is loving, but he's also just at the same time. God wants us, but he also wants holiness from us. We've got to get to a place where we stop flirting with Jesus. He doesn't want to be flirted with anymore. He wants to be in total relationship with you. He wants all of you, not just some of you. And if we're honest with ourselves, this is where a lot of people are that attend church today. Because Jesus already gave us what it looks like when you're in relationship with him because he said these are the signs that will follow those who believe. Now look, I'm not trying to, to like, I, I, I really believe the word that came forth in the worship today. It's time to wake up. It's time to be awakened and stop living in this thing that says that, oh, I can only go this far and then I got to stop. No, the relationship with Jesus is is continual. It's, it's, there, there's, there's, there's so many levels to it. That's why he created eternity. Because we'll never get to the end of his love. We'll never get to the end of experiencing his presence. We'll be in eternity a million years from now. And we still won't reach the end of his love. There'll still be more and more and more. So why on this earth do we put a cap on it? Let's take the cap off. Let's start bringing it in. Because why? He desires for heaven to touch earth through us. Now, John, he continues in verse 21 through 26. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking. He is looking. For those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when He comes, He will explain everything to us. And then Jesus just flat out says, I am the Messiah. Now, Jesus was letting this woman know that heaven desires to touch earth. He said, the Father is looking. Who's he looking for? He's looking for you. He's looking for me. 
He's looking for us to go all in. He's looking for us to step into that holy of holy place. He's looking for us to touch the heart of the Father. He's looking for us so that He could give us what our gifts are, so He could give us the means and, and, and the ability for heaven to touch earth. Jesus revealed, to him, revealed Himself to this woman and it radically changed her because she opened herself to Him. Listen to me right now. Listen to me. Because I think like when we say, man, if, if, if I made the statement before this message even started and said, man, how many of you want heaven to touch earth through you? Man, you'd be like, yeah, me, woo. Let me tell you this. Before heaven, can before heaven can touch earth through you, heaven has to get in you. Before heaven can touch earth through you, heaven has to get in you. And the only way for that to happen is for you to position yourself in a place of worship. Then continuing in verse 27, just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did, could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now, here's the thing that's interesting to me. She did not want to be seen going to the well. She has an encounter with Jesus, and now she does not care. Now think about it. Now she's going to walk into this village and people are going to look at her and go, whoa, 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 whoa. I wonder what man she's with right now. Is it Joe or John this week? I don't know. Like, can you imagine? I mean, that's what she's dealing with. But she doesn't care because she has now become a new creation. She's not defined how she went to the well. She's defined by how she left the well. You see, it's the well where you got to get to and you got to have an encounter with Jesus. It doesn't matter how you came to the well. What matters is how you leave the well. And so when you leave the well, you don't care about the past because now the past has become your story. The past has become your testimony because now you can say, I was in darkness, but now I'm in light. I was blind, but now I can see. And let me tell you, that's what people are attracted to. People want to see your life changed. We want to see 120 people come to know who Jesus is through this church. It's when we start living the life that God intends for us to live. It's when we allow heaven to get inside of us so that heaven in turn can touch earth. So meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And these guys were some knuckleheads. And then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvest. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you did not plant. Others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. 
Jesus told his disciples, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. His disciples saw Jesus through a natural eye and said, he must be hungry. We got to get him some food. You see, we try to satisfy our spiritual stomachs with crap. Let me just say it. It's junk food. It's junk food. Junk food's great, isn't it? It tastes great going in, but let me tell you, it's awful. After the aftermath is just terrible. Let me tell you a story. The other day, let me just say, the other day, Bluebell, get behind me, Satan. Let me say, Bluebell came out with this advertisement. We got a new ice cream that hit the shelves today. It's cookie cake ice cream. Now, let me say, it's like take Great American Cookie Company cookie slice, crumble that bad boy up and put it into some sweet cream. I guarantee you that place over there next to Five Guys will do this. But it won't be as good as Bluebell. But here's the deal. They put it up in there with the sweet cream ice cream and then roll it around with that chocolate icing and vanilla icing all up in it. Let me tell you, I text my wife. Now, I, I listen, for those of you that have known me for any length of time, I've been on a lifestyle change. Now, look, lifestyle change went out the window that day because I looked at that ad and I told my wife, I texted her that day and I said, I am on a seek and find mission. This will happen. I went to three grocery stores. My last one was Rouse's, the new one, right across from Coquille. I go in there. Man, like people must have thought, this guy, like he knows what he wants. Because I was laser focused on getting me some cookie cake ice cream. I go to the ice cream section. I wasn't going in for a pint. I don't need just a taste. I'm going all in. I'm going half gallon here. So like I go in and I see the pint. So I started buying four pints because I'm going to get my half gallon. I'm going to tell you that. (laughs) But out of the corner of the eye, it was as if it was highlighted in the freezer section. Because the half gallon cookie cake ice cream was hidden in the back. Some poor Rouse's employee was hiding that thing for after he got off of work. I just ruined his night because I got that last half gallon of cookie cake ice cream and I brought that stuff home. Now let me tell you, I said, okay, well, at least I'll be good by getting a little small glass to put it in. That way I can control my portion because it's all about portion control, right? It's not about what you eat. It's all about portion control. Not really. But anyhow, so like I start filling up my little cup and I eat it. It doesn't matter how small your container is if you keep putting stuff in it when it gets empty. I was just pouring it in, man. Just give me some more, some more. Now, let me tell you, that's the best ice cream Bluebell's ever made. In my honest opinion, it is just awesome. But 20 minutes later, I'm hanging out on the couch with a gut ache because I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I took way too much sugar in all at one time. I am just, this is terrible. Never again. Never again! Now, while that story's funny, that's exactly what we do in our lives. We go on search for things that, man, they're going to taste great in the beginning. And they satisfy for the moment. But then we're going to turn around and we're going to be on the couch with a gut ache because we didn't eat the right stuff. So many of us are trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction through so many other things outside of Jesus. And all that is is junk food in your system. Jesus said, I don't eat junk food. 
I don't eat the crap that this world has to offer. I eat good stuff, which is the will of my Father. If we would start walking in that direction, so many of us that go through life and we find some satisfaction, but then it goes away. Let's get hooked on to the real thing. Let's get the right food. Let's get the right nourishment. And it's doing the will of God. And when we do the will of God, that is when heaven begins to touch this earth through us. So how does this story end as Christina or whoever's going to play the keys comes back up? Verse 39 says this. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. Many. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in the village, so he stayed there two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we heard him ourselves, now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Listen, this woman was not perfect by any stretch. She wasn't accomplished But the one thing that she was, was available. She was available. And think about this. If you're Jesus and you're going to take job applications as to who the person's going to be that's going to go back into their village and to share Christ, by our standards we would look at her application and say there is not a chance that she's going to be the one that we choose. And yet it was the very one that Jesus chose. What this story tells us is is that we can sit here all day long and tell ourselves that there's no way Jesus can use me. There's no way that he can do anything through me. Why? Because I'm trying to hide from the crowd because this is what I've been doing. This is what my past says. This is what I've been through. This is what I've done. But Jesus is sitting here going, look, I'm not looking for perfection. I'm not looking for somebody who's got a resume. I'm just looking for somebody who's available. I'm looking for somebody who wants to love me with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. And I can work with that heaven can touch earth through that can you imagine the joy that this woman had she left the village that day to go to the well known as somebody that just slept around she left the well came back into the village and now she's known as the greatest missionary in her town hello like that's incredible to me that's absolutely incredible which means God can take your mess And turn it around. And it can become a message that sets people free. And God wants to do that through you. It's not just about the woman at the well. It's about you. He touched earth through her story. If you've come to know who Jesus is, you have a story. Share your story. Because Jesus wants to touch earth through your story. Now, I close with this. My wife really 
really, really loves Disney World. I mean, she's infatuated with the place, borderline. She's really infatuated with Jesus. But, like, she, you know, like, it's Jesus, me, the kids, the church, and then Disney World. Sometimes she might swap me out with Disney World. I don't know, but <laughs> listen to me. So it's like going to Disney World, and you show up, and you see it. Magic Kingdom gates, there they are. You're just taking it all in. It's like, man, this is really cool. This is really great. And you got a ticket. Okay, so you, so you have access to get in, right? And you take the ticket, you get in, you go on the gates. And then you find the first park bench that's available. And you just sit there. Now, now let me just back up. We're, we're there when the park opens, Okay. And you find the first park bench and you just sit there when the park opens and you just sit there all day. Until the park closes and then you go home. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty much a waste. That's what so many believers do today. They have their ticket, they got access get into heaven. Jesus said, I've come to give life. So you have that life, right? But he also says, I've come to give life abundant. Life abundant means we go through that park and we experience everything there is to experience. And then we go tell people about that experience. And then we bring people with us. And then when they get that experience and they begin to tell people about it, and then they get people in there to experience it. that we get off the bench and start experiencing everything that God has for us. There's so much that He wants to do in you and through you. He wants you to become His mouthpiece. He wants you to be an extension of His love. He wants you to become an extension of His encouragement. He wants you to go and preach the gospel. That doesn't mean you get to do what I do. Preaching the gospel just simply means sharing the story. Listen, if heaven's going to touch earth through you, heaven's got to get in you. Let's stand all over this place today.